Dr. Steve Perry on No Dumb Questions. KDQ, real questions, real people. Welcome to No Dumb Questions, where we believe the smartest person in the room is the one with the best questions. And I am honored tonight because I am joined by a brother who's been in the education game for over 30 years. Uh, urban education, suburban education, international education. And we've traveled among each other's orbits for quite some time. And now we get the opportunity to chop it up for you. Please join me in welcoming Brother Principal Caffelli. What's going on, my man? Hey, man, working hard, but good to be here with you. As you said, yeah, we've been in that same orbit, but here we are in the same space. Yeah, man. So I appreciate you taking the time today. Forgive me, I was having technical difficulties, as, as is typically the case when anything having to do with technology is in my life. Thank you to Diane and, and uh, Casil for being patient with me before I threw my computer through a window. Um, but just wanted to, to really introduce some um, to your work. You started off in urban education. In elementary school. Yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn, New York City. Crown Heights. 1980. What makes a brother want to teach elementary school? Yeah. You know, my my reason for going into teaching in the first place was personal. It had nothing to do with the professional side of the work in terms of just being a classroom teacher, per se. I went through my own trial and trials and tribulations, my own struggles as a youngster. Uh, being raised by my mom and my maternal grandmother and wound up spending five years in high school over four schools and coming out with a one five. But I got it together at some point about five years after graduation and decided to go to college and decided that once I was in school, didn't major in education yet, but what I was in school and said, I want to teach. But my why is rooted in the young men. I want to be able to take black boys and prove to the world what they are capable of achieving when they got the right folks in front of them. So that was the reason that I walked into the classroom in the first place. And I would say the sole reason. And that was my why for the 21 years that I was in public education. So those seven years as a teacher, those 14 years as a principal, it was always extremely narrow as to why I was there. doesn't mean I neglected my young ladies because I didn't, but they weren't my why, my why, my reason, my because of waking up in the morning was to show these boys what they can become relative to becoming those upstanding young men. Can we talk about black boys in education? I know we'll, we'll get into uh, the work that you do now, which is yeah. so important. Um, developing assistant principals and principals, and, and we'll talk about that, but mm -hmm. I, I'll be I, I'll be straight. I was doing a walkthrough of one of our schools. And. You know, the pandemic kicked everybody in the ass uh, in terms of performance. And so we took an L2. Uh, but I saw the gap between black boy performance and everybody else. And. If it was just our school, then I would think, wow, burn our thing down. Mm -hmm. But it is the case in education writ large, uh, public education, private education. Black boys are the most disciplined, most suspended, most expelled, most retained, most uh, highest dropout, lowest performance in every category of academic performance. Mm -hmm. What are the reasons that you think that happens? Huh. Well, first of all, do you agree? Because absolutely, absolutely I agree. Agree. Okay. I preach, I preach that sermon every day. 
But I preached that sermon to the folks who are in that classroom with them. See, as you know, 84% of America's teaching force are white. The overwhelming majority of them at the elementary level in particular are white women. And a whole lot of them are young white women. You're a sports fan. You're a basketball fan. You'll recall during the the, the heat of the pandemic, because I, I, I got to remind people all the time we're still in it. But at the heat of the pandemic, the NBA went into that bubble down in Florida. And I was suspicious. I didn't think it would work. I thought that virus would get in some kind of way. So they were in this bubble. George Floyd happens May 25th in terms of his murder. And now you've got America on fire, black folks and non-black people in the streets. The NBA players want to come out of the bubble and they want to get into the world. But leaving the bubble, now they have to be quarantined before they can come back in. So when I looked at that, it made me think of your question. And I said, you know, you got young people, black boys, who are growing up in their bubble, right? Whatever that is, whatever that neighborhood is, they're growing up in their bubble. But down across the tracks up the highway is a little girl or a little boy who happens to be white who's growing up in his or her bubble. And they're going to grow up within their bubble. When they go on to college to begin to prepare for education, they will probably gravitate to people that look like the ones back at the old bubble at home. So now they get on, go on and get this assignment in this school. The kids in this bubble with, the, with black children are now, their school is in that bubble as well. Now the two bubbles intersect in real time in a school. Here's the problem. As those bubbles intersect, that teacher that grew up in the bubble across the tracks up the highway is coming into a world that he or she does not know intimately. I, I, I may know that world in terms of what I saw on television, what I saw in the newspaper, what I saw when I passed you in the mall, but uh, in, in the supermarket, whatever it is, but I don't know you intimately in terms of the masses. We know that there are individuals that, that, that co-mingle with black folks, but I'm talking about the masses. So now here we are, we intersect in that school. And here I am in a classroom with a youngster that I do not know. Why would you and I expect that connection to happen when I'm in a, in, in a classroom environment with someone that I don't know? I've never had intimate conversation with. I don't have intimate relationship with, but I'm expected to take you to the highest level academically. That's you think not- it's more pedestrian even than that, though? Meaning, because that, right? Because they don't know. They don't know a lot of people, right? So the, the overall majority of teachers are white women. That's just a fact. Right. right. But all are main white women. But right. the majority are women. I got it. I got an argument for that too, though. Okay. Yeah. Let's 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 look at your non-white educator now, because I don't want to indict white educators. I'm just no, no. I'm I don't give a damn. Let me let me yeah. let me just I'm, I'm, let me let me be clear, because one of the yeah. reasons why I get to be me is I really don't give a damn. Like I just oh, don't. Yeah. Um, the truth is the truth is the truth. And so I'm, if, the fact is the overwhelming majority of educators in the United States of America by design are white women. It's just it's not by accident. It's, right. it, it is a grand plan. It's a strategy that was put in place to make sure that black people did not have and do not have the chance to teach. I don't care what Cardona says. He and when he was in the, the commissioner's position in the state of Connecticut, punted on the opportunity to increase the number of black teachers in the state of Connecticut. I don't give a damn what he says. Because I was one of the people who brought it to him. So I'm comfortable with indicting those who are guilty. Right. But all of those who are guilty. And what I what I wonder is, is the institution of traditional education such that the very foundations of success in it are antithetical to what we see just typical boy behavior? Let me give you, for instance, I'm using an example uh, uh, that I saw uh, yesterday in one of our schools. Little boys in line. First of all, y'all asked him to be in line. So he's in line. He's like high-fiving everybody that goes down past him. And he, you know, I mean, he's giving, 
He's giving them all the energy, mm, mm, hitting them like they people go by, hits them in the back. He's just playing. Yeah. I had to correct him because in this setting, he can't do that. So is it possible for our boys, many of whom are, are you know, you know, they're what we consider traditional. Is it possible for our boys to even be successful in traditional education? It's possible, but not as presently constructed. Okay. See, 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 my my approach, and I know that your approach and mine are not necessarily the same, but here, here's mine. I'm I'm unapologetic African-centric, Afrocentric in my approach, but I was blessed to have the opportunity to implement that, to, 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 to show the hypothesis that black boys, when instruction is centered toward who they are historically and culturally, there's a higher probability for their success. Because see, like, let's look at this platform, for example, any, any platform. People are going to tune into a platform when the platform is speaking to their interest, when it's speaking to their needs, when it's speaking to their world. If I tune into a platform or a television show or whatever it may be, but it's not speaking to my world, then I'm going to turn to something else that is. So now you talk about a classroom that lacks cultural responsiveness and lacks cultural relevance, responsiveness in the relationship and relevance in the curriculum and instruction. And now youngster is not seeing the relatability, the application, the relevance of what it is I'm being exposed to as it relates to how I use this after dismissal, then I can't embrace it. So what I said to my superintendent at the time, allow me to structure curriculum. Whereas young people, in my case, East Orange, which was 100% black at the time, allow me to structure curriculum in a way that every one of these youngsters is going to see themselves in mathematics, science, social studies, language arts, and whatever other subjects um, um, uh, that we offer. Allow us to do that. And I will. Pr I said to him, I will prove to you what these children are capable of achieving. And if I can't do it, you could tell me to hit the door as the sure. principal of the building. So, yeah. so we went on and put it in place. We outperformed not only the district, but we outperformed the state of New Jersey of schools of similar demographics. So the, so the folks asked, well, what is it that you did that was so different? And we said, we made learning relevant. They saw themselves in the learning. But the curriculum, as you know, uh -huh. is like a car. You could drive, you could give somebody a Lamborghini, but if they can't drive a stick, you ain't gonna get out of first gear. But see, that's so that's that's me. That's me as principal. See, see, there, there, there's all these and you and I. That's what I'm saying though. Let me make this point though. As principal, I'm not just quote unquote principal. As principal, first and foremost, nothing ahead of this, I'm instructional leader. That's number one. But a close second, we can call it 1A and 1B, I'm professional developer. See, if I'm principal and I'm, a, I'm, I'm an administrator, which is a word I don't use to describe myself, if I'm an administrator, which, which conjures up thoughts of doing administrative things, then learning is happening before, or, or the attempt to teach and learn is happening before my nose, but I have nothing to do with it. So first and foremost, I'm instructional leader, so I, I got a staff. I got to undo the madness. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. Right. So we yeah, said, yeah, so, I got to unravel that mess. Right, and so that's I what gotta, we're talking about. So we got to be the Right, because, because you could hand someone a well-baked curriculum. And right. for those people who don't work in education, curriculum is basically what the kids will learn. And, and, and Life coaching would be the how you teach them. If just in a very very basic sense. And what I see is you could have curriculum written by bliggity black, black, black from front to back, given to bliggity black, black, black from front to back. But if she won't call on that little boy because he's got his back to her during class, if she won't call on that little boy because 
of he's being silly if she won't call on him because she had to talk to him earlier and this little girl is going to shoot her hand up quicker than he is, then all the curriculum in the world does nothing. Yeah, but see, that, see that I, 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 love, I love the point. That goes back to what I said about the role of the leadership. And I'm, yep. I'm going to tell you, because you, 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 you indicated in, um, in the introduction that I do a heck of a lot of work with leaders, and I do. So if that's happening in a classroom, if I'm in a school as a consultant for a day, a week, whatever it is, and I see that behavior, for example, that behavior that you use is happening under the watch of the leadership. Yes, it is. So as much as I want, as much as I could criticize what's happening in that classroom, that's not where I'm going initially. I'm okay. going to the leadership. Okay. Hey, oh, leadership. Now, now, now you yes. talk, right? Because oh, yeah. that's a person who saw this mess too. When yes. she did her observations and he did his observations, they knew goddamn well that there's a gap in performance. So there yes. has to be something fueling this gap. Why are some why are some girls at or above grade level and some boys not? You can't think the boys are stupid. Like there has to be a reason. But and it has that, to be. I didn't mean to cut you off, Steve. See, see, here's the thing. You said the observation and, and, and principals have to get out. of and, and, and many have principals have to get out of the mindset that my visit is not during observation evaluation season. My mm. visit is ongoing. The coaching, just like the athletic coach, is ongoing. And I'll say this in case some principals. Oh, yeah, before you go forward, brother Kafali, because yeah. you know we have a lot of folks up here who are parents. So you and I are kind of doing inside baseball. So let's yeah, just pull yeah. back a second. You said I want to. I'm going to pause you because I want you to get to the rest of your coaching analogy. Uh -huh. But you mentioned you mentioned uh, during the. Uh, uh, observation season and outside observation season. A lot of our parents don't know what you're talking about. So I want you to yeah. just tell, explain the difference. Yeah. Thank you for that. So in other words, for the parents that are watching, there's this, these in your typical school district, there are these two seasons where a teacher is being evaluated, a performance evaluation. And go so, into that. Talk about what the evaluation because I think so, people so, really don't know So the know evaluation that. entails everything that happens in a classroom but also all of the teacher's responsibility. So everything about a teacher, job description and beyond, is being assessed, it's being evaluated. And now in, in somewhere in, in the East Coast, somewhere around November, they'll get a performance evaluation, which tells them where they stand. Are they satisfactory? Are they exemplary? Are they, are they underperforming? Whatever it is, unsatisfactory. And how do they get this evaluation? How, how would a teacher be evaluated? Yeah, now and that's that's the part where where it gets a little tricky. There you because, go. Yeah, because see, if it's if it's based on that one time going into a classroom, say in November. So this is the season. I got a deadline, November thirtieth. I got to be in every classroom, have the report written, and and then submit, um, um, share it with the teacher to have the teacher review it with me, and then get a signature and and submit it to central office. If that's the way it's happening in a school then we are killing, I want you to hear that word I'm using, we are killing children. Because we're saying on a one, the, the teacher is in the classroom for 180 days with that youngster. And we're saying that one time that I stopped in your classroom in November, and that one more time I stopped in your classroom in March, and we're assessing your performance on those two days, and those may have been your best days. So let's just say that, brother, because I your worst day. I want because because you're gonna, we're going to come back and this is one of the reasons why your work is so important. But I want people to understand what Brother Cafele just said. So I just want to I want to pull back again. Some of this is inside baseball. We have some educators up here, obviously, but we have some parents up here, obviously. And people just care about our community. And when we start talking about the underperformance of black boys, you'll hear people say poverty racism and but they don't we want to deconstruct that how yeah. the hell is this happening and what brother Cafella was just saying it's just you just got to understand what he's saying the principal in most traditional school systems has to perform two visits to the classroom per year per year and that may mean that on October 22nd third period they went for 45 minutes to watch 
a teacher do an evaluate, I mean, do a lesson. So they went on October 24th to watch one lesson one time. And as Brother Cafele said, that might be their dope lesson. That could be the one where they really boom, 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 ba ba ba. But they're in just that day, there are five other classes that that person is teaching. Yeah. So you only saw one lesson of the six or the five. I'm sorry, one of the four of the five. So there are four other lessons that that person is likely teaching just today to another 120 kids if they're in high school. Yeah. So that person's responsible for 160 kids. So when he said killing, it's not a joke. It's not yeah. hyperbole. I don't want you to hear that as a joke. He's saying that the principal and or assistant principal or dean, however your structure is, did not go in and manage to make sure that the black boys are being called on, that the assessment, the tests are being given, that the data, meaning how they did on the tests are going. They didn't do any of that. They knew any of that. They just went in for 45 minutes. Think about how crazy this is. It'd be like going, it'd be like coming, because I'm bringing you back to your coach analogy. It'd be like going to a practice for 20 minutes and then determining whether or not that player is going to make the all-star team. That's right. That's what it, it is. It is that insane. Not the body of their work, not going to all their games, not looking at the stats for the year, going to one part of one practice one time. And then you say, Brother Kefele, we're going to put you in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. We're going to make you tenured. And that's what happens because that because in that situation, I don't have enough data to fully evaluate that teacher. So now I'm going to reward that teacher. I'm going to give that teacher in, in, in so many cases. What happens is we'll give the teacher the benefit of the doubt. All right. I got a, I think I got a good sample. Let me go ahead and give the teacher a satisfactory evaluation. But Jalil is sitting in that classroom and he's not being challenged. He's not learning. He's being sent to the to whomever does discipline and all that kind of stuff. But none of that came up in that one time a one time classroom visit. So with that that coaching analogy that I was talking about now, there is no such thing as a visit to a classroom that is not attached to a conversation. There's a conversation that occurs where teacher and I. We, we, we're not going to try to solve the world in that coaching session. We're going to look at that, that one or two things that we can mutually agree. Here's a deficiency. So let's, let's look at, since we were talking about black boys, let's, let's keep it right there. So we, so, so now leader or whomever the instructional uh, leader is and the, and the teacher, we see that hmm, black boys are being sent to the office disproportionately compared to the rest of the students in the classroom. Let's focus right there, but not on a one time visit. It's going to be ongoing because the whole objective is as leader, I'm going to, in collaboration with you, grow you to the point that you are proficient in this very narrow area that we said, this is where young people, where young men are falling prey by being sent to the office excessively disproportionately compared to all the other populations in the school. Or allowed so to disengage, which you wouldn't yeah. know to your point. Well, and then there's another area that we'll focus. Just black boys are disengaged. So when which I come like to your tomorrow, and, and, and here it is, parents that may be listening or see the video later, not when I show up in your classroom, because we ain't doing no showtime at the Apollo. Is when I report to your classroom tomorrow at precisely 10 o'clock. I'm not going to pop up because this is not to surprise you or shock you. We are methodically growing you. So I'm going to be there at the, at the, at the time that I said I was going to be there. And then that's what I'm going to be looking at while I'm there. Then immediately following, as close to immediate as possible, now we will have that follow-up discussion to discuss what I saw rooted in the conversation that we had before I saw it. One of the That's reasons how we methodical grow that teacher. Right, right. So one of the reasons why principals fail is because they fail to understand the context of their school. 
Yes. Every single day, at least twice a day, a principal should walk their entire school when the children are there. They should push into every single classroom, just look in there, see how things are going. If it's not a full-on observation, walk around the class, see what's going on. They, a lot of times, principals and other administrators, I think, and tell me what you think, I think they feel guilty for holding this teacher accountable for the BS that they saw in the class because they're like, oh, man, I only came there once or maybe the other time. I had a conversation with a colleague today who said, well, that wasn't one of her best lessons. But this is the one I came to, though, and it's the one the kids came to. So we were here for this one. We didn't get to do this over again. Yeah. Talk to me about how you would coach principals to get their asses out of their office and into the building. Yeah, well, you know, it, that's an interesting question because I walked away from, if, if I'm counting correctly, six superintendent offerings um, in New Jersey and a couple other states. And in those interviews, which was I, which I was invited to attend because they were districts recruiting me, here's what I said to them as it relates to what you said. If I'm if I'm superintendent in this district, my number one priority is not the children. My number one priority are the principals in each of these schools. So therefore, you can't find me at central office in the morning. I got to be in somebody's school because I have to ensure that leadership is happening at an optimal level. So if a principal, to go directly to your, your question, if a principal is in the office or the main office, that's a reflection of my superintendent leadership. Talk about that. Because, I don't, again, I, I, this is one of those times where you and I, I totally yeah. hear where you're coming from. Okay. There's a mother right now. Right. she got a black son. Yeah. And she thinks principals should be in the principal's office. That's why it's called the principal's office. And you're and, like, and, hell no, and, no, 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 and, no, no. Because yeah. mom, mom loves the principal because the principal is so accessible. Like, I can go to school anytime and there he is. I can talk to him. Hey, mom, watching right now who will watch the video later. If you got that kind of access to your your, your, your children's principal, you got a bad principal. Right? Woo. Bad meaning bad. Wait, 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 wait. You got to stay there, brother, 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 yeah. brother. Bad meaning bad. Because <laughs> people don't think so because that's the thing now, right? A lot yeah. of parents think, I want to call my principal. I want her to answer the phone when I call. Yeah. But what you're saying is, no, when he call, he should be watching the people teach. He yeah. should be making sure the building is clean. He should yeah. make sure the coaches are coaching. He should yeah. make sure that the, the choir is singing. He should be out and about. When you call your principal, you should not get him. That's right. He should not be available to you. Shouldn't be able to reach him, right? If you, if you can reach that principal, then that school is not being led by that principal. That school Ooh. is being led by children. It's being led by teachers. It's being led by the custodian. It's being led by the head secretary. But it is not being led by the leadership. If you have that kind of access to a principal during the school hours, it can't be. So, because so a principal who was leading would be doing what? What would if it, so? That, that, everything you just said, everything you just said, and, and at the core of what that principal is doing is teaching and learning. It's a, it's observing, teaching, and learning. That's at the core. But it's also those coaching conversations, all that administrative work. So rookie principals out there, and as most of the world knows, I work with rookie principals and assistant principals primarily. And, and I'm, I'm saying to you on a different platform now, not on mine, that there's no way in the world that you can utilize portions of your day being an administrator. Being an administrator is before, way before school because the hour before school starts, you outside shaking hands. You right? try, you now, now you, this, this is a different breed, brother. This is a different yeah. breed. Now you yeah. can't yeah. tell them that they gotta come. You can't tell them they gotta come before the school starts, and that they gonna get home after their kids are home, after their wife done yeah. cooked, after their husband done cooked, after the kids may have gone to bed. That they're not gonna. They're gonna miss some stuff. Yeah. No, you gotta. You see, when when you decide you want to leave. Don't get caught up in some movie you watch. It, this 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 is real stuff. So if you if you go and lead, you you got to build into your life twelve to fourteen hours. That's what principal Easy. leadership is. Because you, you you can't do the administrate. You can't check emails during the school day. Oh so my superintendent, don't send me hey, no say that again for the people in the back. Say that again for the people in the back. Say yeah, it again. The people in the back. You you can't 
read email, even if it's your phone, man, because if it's your phone, you still distracted, right? So you can't be reading email, snail mail. You got you literally like like myself. I literally had to train some of my superintendents, but I do it with the people skills. Right. So with the people skills, I might have a superintendent that doesn't understand my world. I've had superintendents that came from suburban backgrounds that didn't know my urban world. So I had to teach them, Doc, I can't be responding to all this stuff during the day because I'm trying to take this school to heights previously right. unimagined. Nobody in central office stop calling principals in the middle of the goddamn day. Right. If it's right. not if, if somebody ain't dead or about to die, call them later. Right. For real. Now, if you come in to support me, that's different. Fine. But if but if you come in to tell me about some new initiative, you 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 could send it and I'll read it at about 7 p.m. Right. But but the principal that that hour before students before the late bell, I mean, that even can't be the administrative work because that's the time you greeting young people, calling them by their name. Letting them why know is that important? Why is that important? Just put a dean out there. Have them do that. Why? I mean, why, why the principal got to be out there? Nah, nah, because because I, I'm because I'm the, you, you in New England. I'm I'm Bill I'm I'm Bill Belichick. That's why I'm I'm the head coach, and I'm not like imagine the head coach on game day. Hear me, parents, teachers out there, leaders out there on game day. Imagine the head coach say to one of the assistants, "You talk to him before we march out onto the field." Man, that ain't never gonna happen. The head coach has the final say. So as head coach, first, I'm going to greet you. But then when you get into the building, I'm going to speak life into you because I'm going to give you that message to lay the foundation to start the day because every day of school is game day. Right. So therefore, we ain't having no game until the head coach has had the final say. Now we can start the game. One of the reasons you mentioned that black boys are slipping through the the cracks is because the principals deans or assistant principals whatever the second group down is in your particular school are not observing instruction at the level and consistency that's required to understand the context of what's going on literally walking around pushing ahead into classes. But I'll be honest with you. I sat with, <laughs> I sat with someone. Uh, I was coming back from a Harlem school. I was on the train and I sat with somebody. She said she was a new principal. Mm. And she told me, she said, I get my work done on the train. So when I get home, I can do my second job. I was like, but it's only four. <laughs> What about the first job? Yeah, four o'clock. Tell me what in your world as principal are the hours of a principal? I'll tell you what they were in mine and you tell me what they were in yours. I I remember when you were on CNN and yours, I I remember when you first came on the scene and you were in the car with the kids when it was still dark outside. I remember that. I I I remember your beginnings in terms of Steve Perry. <laughs> right. So mine were the same. I'm I'm arriving when it's still dark outside. Because although I have absolute faith and trust in what my night custodians did, it's still my building. It's my world. My name is on it. Because so, pipes burst, right? Pipes yeah, burst. Anything. Um, it, it, pipes burst. The heat in one room is like a hundred. Yeah. Or, or it, may just, it just may not be immaculately clean. I'm a I'm a white glove guy, right? So so I want to see that there's so so since I'm in an old building, I can still create an oasis. So I want to make sure that I see no speck of dust. I want the youngsters going into an oasis when they walk into the classroom. So I'm literally walking from class to class. I'm I'm I'm, I'm meditating as I do it. I'm praying as I do it. I'm, I'm I'm getting myself mentally and emotionally prepared for a phenomenal day, and then I go outside. And, I, and, and like I tell every principal in America, no youngster is coming into that building without going through me. Not right. one. Because Not one. at the front door, that little seventh grade girl who's just as mean as a rattlesnake, you say good morning to her, she don't pierce her lips. Yeah. And you say, no, no, honey. I said good morning. 
Good morning. Yeah. But let yeah. one day go by that you don't say good morning to her. What's wrong with you, Prince of Cafele? Yeah, she's like, call oh, it okay. Out. Yeah. Because they know. Yep. And the same thing with when those few days that I got called out of the building and, and couldn't do my morning message. Them kids, as old as high school students, Principal Cafele, what happened to the message today? Because they were waiting for it. Because, see, between the message and the greeting is shaping the culture of the building. And see, a lot of times, like we're talking about discipline in black boys, right? A lot of times, discipline is not the issue. But but we expend all this time and energy on discipline. D discipline is the manifestation of a culture that is receiving no attention. So you, you got a school and you got this macro culture and this macro climate that's not getting the attention that it requires. But and then the manifestation is Jalil acts up in class. Well, you know, like you and I, we're speakers and there's certain behaviors that we just won't exhibit when we'll when we're speaking but we may exhibit those behaviors at, at the knicks game where you may not be a knicks fan whoever you like right so 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 at that at that I'm arena spike i'm a knicks fan okay there you go so at that arena you may exhibit certain other behaviors that you may not exhibit on the stage well because the culture says that that's not what we do in this in in in, in, in this particular environment so here i'm saying in school Oftentimes, because I see it, the culture is giving license to undesirable behaviors. And we haven't checked the culture and given attention to the culture to say, what is it about the culture that youngster feels comfortable coming in and exhibiting whatever those behaviors may be? Let's so I put maximum culture. emphasis on the culture of the building, not discipline in a classroom. Let's talk about the culture so that we can uh, piss the Internet off. Um <laughs> We have saw it today. Uh, I was doing an observation of a uh, math class, and uh, a young man got up there and got funky. He was like, boom, 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 boom. And then one of the girls was like, okay, smart boy. What should happen next in the appropriate culture? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because... There's a there's a dynamic at play too that is cultural, right? And 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 teacher has to understand that between those two kids. Whereas wh whatever that dynamic was, it may not have necessarily been harmful. Like I'm sure with you, as I know with me, my homies that I grew up with, we still go back to them same not the same jokes but the same patterns of behavior when we when we talk to each other on the phone even though we don't we don't see each other we that culturally has not changed that playing the dozens with each other i'll be 62 next month and we still engage in those behaviors it's cultural but someone on the outside that sees that that witnesses that may not understand it so sometimes those behaviors that i may see in school it may not be need to be addressed because it may be just cultural. It may be minor. It's not a big deal. But as teacher, I got to understand what it is that I'm looking at. So what, what, what do you do? So she says, okay, smart boy. What, what do you want our teachers See, to the do? Way, the, way, the way you're giving, the way you're presenting that to me. Yeah. I'm not hearing a problem. No. Nope. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing two black children yep. and I'm picturing me as a, as a black teacher. And I hear I hear the young the young lady say that I'm probably going smile, yeah. right? And, and 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 keep it moving. It's 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 because culturally I understand it. Yeah. But if I don't understand it culturally, I might make a big deal out of it. I what might put like? mark on the wall on on the board, right? I might send you to the office to be disciplined if I don't understand what I saw, culturally speaking. And this is what folks need to understand. What, what, what you're saying now is super important, and I don't want to I don't want to skip it because it's easy to get caught up in the platitudes of um, social media. It's easy to get caught up in the shorthand of headlines. But I don't. I'm a hundred percent sure that most people don't understand that when they use terms like microaggressions, um, that they're that they're truly aware that 
their perceived love for our children doesn't always manifest itself in behaviors that reflect love. So to that end, if you see this little girl who just says, okay, smart boy, excuse me, maybe she's teasing him a little bit, but she's not teasing him like she thinks he's an idiot. She's just being playful with him. Yeah. And you watch his response and see how he responds to it. And you watch the room. And maybe you encourage others to do the same, to engage. And then, or maybe you give the chalk now to her or the marker to her and have her come up next. Mm. And, then, and, then they, and then she can popcorn somebody else up. You can catch fire in a bottle when you see the beauty in our children as opposed to see the danger in our children. And I see too many people in education who want to just stop children. Like, stop, 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 stop. We use a, a program, which I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, Teach Like a Champion. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my frustrations with uh, our use of it, I'm just talking about us right now, and I've seen it in other places, is it's just a strategy to discipline. It's used. I'm not saying that's the way it's designed. I'm not saying that Lamar has done that. I'm saying that people misuse it. The same thing with uh, demerit systems or three strike systems or any of those other goofy ass things that people do just to get kids to to do right, as opposed to I want to go back to where you were at the top and when you were talking about curriculum and you were talking about your own experience in New Jersey, that if you're teaching your ass off, you ain't got to worry about disciplining kids. They'll discipline mm-hmm. their damn selves. Mm-hmm. How do you get teachers or because you work mostly with administrators uh how do you get it yeah yeah. but i know on your saturday program uh um you work with uh assistant principals or assistant principals or seconds in charge or people who want to be principals and in your books you talk a lot about uh you talk to administrators at second level of administrator or those wishing to be there how do you get them to focus on what really matters, which is teach your ass off. It's, you know, a lot of it boils down to how you position yourself with them. Let me let me explain what I mean by that. Let's look at a staff meeting. A lot of times staff meetings are very administrative, like there's an agenda and here's these administrative items. Let's get through them and hurry up and get out this meeting and I'll, I'll get you out of here quickly. I have no interest in getting my staff out of a, out of a staff meeting quickly, and I have no interest in dealing with administrative issues. I can thank God for the invention of email. I can now take all that all those administrative issues and put them in a Sunday morning bulletin, which like clockwork will go out at 10 o'clock a.m. And now you can read it when you want to. If you don't want to read it on Sunday, fine, read it Monday. But when we have the staff meeting on Monday, we're going to talk about Jalil and Jamila. That's what we're going to talk about, how to connect with them. Right. What are the what are what are the things we need to talk about on a multiplicity of levels? Right. I may have supervisors that come in that, that participate, but we're going to we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to talk about some things. We're going to discuss some things. We're going to read some things. We're going to dissect some things. But we're talking about strategy relative to what it is we should be doing versus what we learned in in undergrad school, for example, and what we need to unravel and start doing differently with the students who live in this zip code who were probably not represented in those textbooks that you read when you were in pre-service training. So that's how I'm going to treat those 90 minutes. And then I got PLC time. I got department meeting time. I PLC, got you again, you and I, I just, yeah, I, I know professional learning communities. Where, and what is that? Yeah, parents, staff, parents are watching. Yeah, staff come together. And we we in smaller groups in a staff meeting. And now we're going to strategize on on a variety of things. We're going to analyze the data, uh, whether it be achievement data, whatever data 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 is everything. So we may break that down, analyze that. And how does that how does that factor into our practice within the classroom? So there's just a multiplicity of things that we can. So let me just pause there for a second. So this is super important uh, families. So. What Brother Cafele is saying is that in a well-run school, yeah. the principal will establish a number of different strategies to communicate her or his values for performance. So I'm going to go back to some and I'm going to 
bring us up to the uh, professional learning communities. He mentioned not just observing a print, the children, the uh, faculty twice a year. He talked about walking the building every day, looking in classrooms every day, making sure that he has a sense of what's going on, getting there before anyone else does and leaving long after the basketball game on Friday night, which is, ends at, ends at nine, but mm -hmm. the, you know, in, in the hood, people ain't gonna pick their kids up till 10 if they pick them up at all. Right. Um, so there's that part as a principal, as a leader, as an administrator. And then he talked about how, um, he's going to have meetings now in union environments. This becomes very difficult. And this is one of the reasons why I struggle with teachers unions in a union environment. Like I was in, in Hartford, um, not in, in Harlem, not in, in the Bronx and not in, in Bridgeport, but was when I was in, uh, Hartford, we only got one meeting a week and that was it. And it was for 45 minutes period. Um, and what, Principal Cafele was saying was that if you use that single meeting that you have in a traditional school system or what you might call a public school system, but your neighborhood school system to do things that you could have emailed people, you just pissed away your little bitty meeting. Yeah. But then what Brother Cafele said was you can't stop there. You have to put together professional learning communities and professional learning communities are groups of teachers and social workers and therapists and whomever else, co coaches, community members, however you put together your professional learning committee, community, I mean, yeah, community. Mm -hmm. And in that time, he's saying that they look at data. We're going to go back to what we we're talking about, about black boys. Yeah. If you are running your school the way you're supposed to, it should not be a surprise to you where your black boys are or not. Because your ass should have been looking at the data, suspension data, data meaning how often they're suspended versus their, their participation in the school, how many times they receive a discipline. And here's where it gets really funny. Who is sending the most of them out of class? That's right. So what Principal Cafele is saying is that when he's working with you and your school community, what he's saying to you is y'all can't have, OK, we're going to have our staff meeting on Wednesday at. 245 to three. And what we're going to do is going to read down. Please get your lesson plans in today because we need them for the rest. Please make sure that you do attendance um, every day because your attendance is up. Please make sure that you get your, uh, your leave sheets in because all that is small a administrative. He's saying that he's going to send that to you in an email. That's going to come out on Sunday. That's right. But when he's got you in front of him, Y'all going to talk about kids. Roll up the sleeves. Talk about that. Talk, talk to yeah. them about what you're going to talk about in that meeting. Yeah, we're going to take that data and we're going to break it down, right? And, and, and that data, there's a word I use synonymous with the word data, and the word is story. And I'm saying that that data is the story of your classroom. That data is the story of my school as for principal. instance, what's in that data that 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 so, so um, that, so that data has achieved it, it has achievement data, which is broken up into subject areas and skill areas. So 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 specificity within that data to say that there's certain skill areas within reading, certain skill areas in writing, certain skill areas in mathematics where we're finding a pattern. And in this case, since we're talking about, about black boys, where black boys are demonstrating a, a deficiency in these particular skill areas or skill sets. So now the question becomes, so what do we do with that information? Because again, using that word story, a story is written by somebody. So as I will say to staff, or as I say to folks on the road, how do you like that story that you wrote? It's your story. See, and that and, and, and see that that gives you a different lens to look at the data because now you got to own it because we're talking about your story as opposed to uh, data. Right. So it's your story. And what are your thoughts about your story? So now let's strategize. Let's analyze and see why is it that black boys are the ones who are underperforming as it relates to these particular skill sets. And now and, and, and now we're going we're going we're going to pull it apart and we're going to figure it out. 
And then we're going to and then we're going to make certain adjustments in what we do as opposed to doing the same thing over and over. We're going to make certain adjustments and, and, and then we'll forge ahead. But but I want to add this other piece to that. As it relates to these young men. I created a program and I'm not going to get into all the detail because that would take me a couple of hours. But I decided that see, see, black boys are successful in schools where black boys are the priority of the school. So if, if, if you mean if, by that, because I need people to understand what you just said, yes. don't, don't don't leave that point, please. So if we if we say here we are X, Y, Z school. And we have decided whether it was we decided prior to looking at any data or the data was the motivator, whatever it was, we said black boys. Based on my I, here's what I say, the biggest crisis the biggest challenge in all of education is the crisis and the challenge of the black male learner. That's the biggest crisis we got. So I'm saying, therefore, therefore, black boys are my number one priority. So but I got to be able to sell that so that it's not just a cafe thing, but it's a us thing. It's a school thing that we say black boys are our priority. So as it being my priority, I created what I call the Young Men's Empowerment Program. I said, I got to pull these boys together, out of class and together. And I got to go out into the community and round up as many men of the community in all walks of life, from the highly successful to the OG that did a 10-year bid and everybody in between. I need them in my building. And I need them to hear some other voices besides mine and the teachers that they listen to in the classroom. So we put this program together. We said, we're going to have them look, we're going to have them dress like Dr. Steve Perry when they come to school. So I'm going to sell on their parents that mom, I need your son to come to school looking like he's the principal of the building. Can you work with me on that? And if you can't, if, if, if economics is a problem, we got that. I just need your support. Mom said, we good. So now we got the external, but what was key was the internal what we pouring in so to make a long very long story short let me just let me just give you the five bullet points the framework the strands of the framework i created as for self-reflective questions i said for the entire four years you're with me or middle school three years what does it look like to be a young man in relationship to himself what does that look like because he's walking around as a zombie not knowing who that is in his mirror historically and culturally speaking and responsibility speaking in terms of who he is along the continuum of life and struggle. Number two, what does it look like to be a young man in relationship to these young ladies sitting in this classroom? Well, if my teacher is the commercial hip hop artist, then she's been defined for me. And it's a very destructive definition. So I got to put something in place that's going to counter that. Number three, what does it look like to be a young man in relationship to the child that he may or may not have one day. We know all of them will not for various reasons. But what if he does? What does that look like? Well, let's talk about that for the next four years. Number four, what does it look like to be a young man in relationship to other young men that look just like me? Well, in any big, any big city in America and small city, there's conflict between the brothers. Let's talk about that for the next four years. And then finally, what does it look like to be a young man in relationship to his community? Is he an asset to the community or is he a liability? So now every Monday we bring them together, different grade level. And I got a captive audience for four hours with brothers I brought from out in the, out in the community from various different perspectives who understood that you got to speak within that framework. But you can hit them hard. If you OG and you said to me, Kefele, I can't speak the king's English. I got to lace it with profanity. Do you. Right. Well, however it is that you articulate your thoughts, articulate your thoughts. I got a captive audience in that class sitting there looking at the speaker like this and then being engaged in the conversation. And the young men loved it. But here's what the teachers are saying. The teachers are saying, Kefele, particularly my women teachers, because the men, we invite them in. Whatever that is, y'all are discussing in those meetings, those young, those young men's empowerment meetings, please don't stop because the boys are transforming before our eyes, particularly academically. 
because they're getting the con the type of conversation that in a, in a perfect world they would be getting from their father right but but all of them don't have that father there so therefore i said let me be father let these men i'm bringing in be father and now the mathematics the language arts the science the social studies becomes relevant because i've got people get putting it in context that it matters to me it's not something irrelevant that I can't use in my life, but I needed to hear from some other voices of people who look like me because I can't be what I don't see. So let me put these folks in, in his space that he can identify with who are saying the same thing that Principal Kafele is saying in the other teachers. And now there's a higher probability that young man says, I can embrace this. And, 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 and that, you know, like, like the user slang the kids use, I got the receipts. Right. Because the school was the lowest performing school in the district. But in four years later, we flagship. Right. Because that young men's empowerment and for the folks wondering in, in the back of their mind, would you do with your girls? <laughs> the young women's empowerment program. Right. We didn't forget them. So we're doing the same thing with them. But I'm just putting the focus on this in terms of this conversation on my young men. No, no, no. I appreciate that. I knew we were going to do this. We, we didn't run over all the time. I told you I, I would hold you and we already passed that. But I because I, I want you to let folks know some of the things that you're doing, which I think is super exciting. You mentioned uh, that the the issue is making sure that uh, about our young men that, that they feel loved. And the truth is, as you, as you finish your point, the truth is that the issue is not the boys. The boys ain't broken at all. The boys are dope. There's nothing wrong with them, literally nothing wrong with them. We have to reimagine what education is. We have to reimagine how they're going to be treated. Because I've seen boys, you've seen boys, out there in 100 degrees with a helmet, shoulder pads on, brothers out there volunteering. Not one of them got a degree or certification in anything. Right. Me, when they say stand in line, that kid is not slapping anybody in the back of the head. That kid knows that stand in line means stand in line. It means you better not move. And it's not a threat of, of violence or harm. It's just a, a clear. Uh, an establishment of discipline, you better not move because that would be an indication that you are no longer disciplined. And that comes with consequences. Mm -hmm. Brother, we got to do this again, man. Uh, yeah. We really do. We really do. Like for real, for real. We really got to do this again. So yeah. tell folks, I, I, I've seen you on Saturdays. Um, talk about your stuff, whatever it is you feel is most appropriate most appropriate yeah, yeah, I, I really appreciate you. You, know, you you know folks i'm, I'm an author you can uh go to principalcafele.com i just finished book number 13 so i'm editing it now and um but you can go to principalcafele.com and check out the whole inventory all the videos but um but i'm on live every saturday morning at 10 55 as dr perry just said um you can go on my Facebook page at Principal Cafele. You can go on my. But you did with a purpose, brother. You're not just out there just talking about who. No, no. Who no thanks, thanks for saying that. Um, I just said that the biggest crisis and challenge in in in, in education is the crisis and challenge of black boys. But then, I, with the same passion, the same energy, I say that that the assistant principal is the most misunderstood. The assistant principalship is the most misunderstood an underutilized position in all of education. We take in somebody who theoretically came out of the classroom doing big things, put them in an AP role and said, here, discipline for the rest of the rest of your year, the rest of your career until somebody promotes you to the principalship. So now all that talent being underutilized. So I created this platform for first the, the AP to say it is more to being an AP than lunch duty, bus duty, inventory and supplies teacher inventory and supplies and discipline but i'm also saying to the principal because principals watch i'm saying principal you can't use that person that way that person is too talented to be relegated to a full-time disciplinarian so that was why i created the platform we're going into week number 124 this saturday i haven't missed a saturday since i started it in may of 2020 so you can tune in go to my facebook page at principal kafele or my twitter page at principal kafele you see the spelling on the screen or my youtube channel at virtual ap leadership academy or my facebook page at virtual ap leadership academy it's on off it's actually on a, on a linkedin page as well at principal kafele so any one of those platforms i we we we, we structure it in a way that even if you're not an ap or a principal there's still a lot of good in there. Teachers watch it. A, a lot of teachers watch it. Superintendents watch it. Commissioners watch it. Everybody watches it. So um, check it out. Join me at 1055 this coming Saturday. And if I might add, 
I'm, I'm sure that many people who will see this video have seen the principal in North Charleston, South Carolina, who was leading his school during the day, but he's working, but he was working at Walmart at night. And then he'd come back to school in the morning, sleep two hours, like at five o'clock and then start leading again at seven. So he was trying to raise money for his students who were most in at need in, in need is um, his students and families. I couldn't have done it. I'll be the first to admit that. But he did. And he'll be my guest this Saturday morning. His name is Principal uh, Henry Darby. So come on and tune in and hear how this man was able to do that. But we you know, we're calling it as a topic. How far would you go for your students? Right. So while um, tune in with us, I'll be glad to see you. And that's you know, that's my story. Go to principalcafele.com and get everything. You'll see everything about me there. Thank you so much, Blood. I'm looking forward to doing this again real soon. Yeah, I, and, 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 and Doc, I appreciate the opportunity, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy. We'll be in touch real, real soon. All right, y'all, you know the deal. No dumb questions where the smartest person in the room is not the one who has all the answers, but the one who asked the questions. Please, please, please go check out my man. Principal Cafele, uh, solid dude, really still doing the work, trying to make the world a better place in terms of improving the instruction that our children need with a specific focus on black boys. I appreciate y'all. Take good care. Peace.